Steve Anderson had a great question for Taco Bet. Over or under 150 rushing yards for Isaiah Davis this Saturday? Over. Easily <laughs> over. So quick. <laughs> official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation, no pop top because Matt's not here. And we're just sad. So yep. I didn't pop a top. The only and I already top opened again. mine. So yeah. I so. apologize. That was a very poor planning on our part. This well, is why we are the B team of the A team. That's right. As trying to trying to host a big boy show. I'm gonna give it a shot for the first time. I will be gonna do a horrible job compared to Matthew Frazee, and that's okay. But tonight you got me, Jamie Williams, here with Kyler Neal. Kyler, what's going on, man? Dude, not much. Um been been hectic with this house listing for sale. You know, having random people in my house, uh, but it is what it is. Um, got to watch some fun football this weekend. I had to wear it. I know it's not FCS anymore, but congrats to your team, Jamie. Uh, I figured you were pretty pumped. We had a little bit of back and forth today, but overall, I mean, what's not to love? You got to be super excited if you're a JMU fan. The jump is good. Yeah, six six weeks in and uh, already ranked. What can I say? Uh, not bad. Hey, it doesn't matter. They voted for us. We're there. They've got a 25 next to our name on the FBS. Can't take it away. Yep. I like it. All right. You ready to kick her off? Yeah, I guess so. We'll see. Let's rock. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big Seven. All right. Our first question right off the top, we're going to talk about a little bit of tension uh, from Elijah Pierre. He said, what did we think about the tension and post-game aftermath between Alabama State head coach Eddie Robinson Jr. and Jackson State head coach Prime Deion Sanders? What do you think about that? Did you, did you see that video and what happened? Yeah, I actually, I actually posted it to our FCS TikTok um, with the WWE Vince McMahon guy going like, ooh, but uh, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the game for you guys who didn't, you know, check it, of course, um, the coaches, they were going to go shake hands at the end of the day, uh, a little bit of pushing and shoving at the end because of some of the comments maybe made prior to the game. And then there was an interview from Eddie Robinson Jr. Uh, you know, and he was talking first, he said, I'm very thankful for everything coach Dion's doing. You know, he was very, um, praising him a little bit, but then at the end he goes, but he's not swack. I'm swack. You know, and that, that just goes from the history of kind of them playing. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun. I, I mean, it was it was entertaining to see. I don't know if it's good for the eyes or not. Uh, but, you know, even bad press is always good press at the end of the day. But we're talking about it. So, obviously, it, it's good in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny myself. I mean, I, I like to see emotion from guys. Yeah. I, I think Alabama State competed in that game. I think he might have felt he even let it get away. I know it was a close game, and, you know, he's emotional. He goes to shake hands. He didn't want the bro hug, so he kind of just stuck his hand out, and Prime didn't like that. So he don't yeah. like being hand-checked. He don't want to get called for illegal use of the hand, so he's kind of did a little uh, swat off and uh, 
you know, off they went to their locker rooms. I, I'm sure cooler heads prevail. I mean, right. Robinson, up and coming coach, Dion has done a lot, and like you said, he acknowledged it. And hey, eyeballs on the swag. I mean, that's that's what Dion wants anyway. So, uh, yeah. intentional or not, <laughs> it's there. Oh, yeah, overall, it's it's going to bring more eyes on. Um, but I think we're going to have maybe not this interaction as much, but we're going to see this type of love hate relationship with Dion amongst the rest of the swag. Uh, just because, of course, of course, what Coach Sanders is doing, <clears throat> I don't think there's any other coach in the planet who could be doing the things that Dion's doing, bringing notoriety. I mean, celebrities, just tons of things. With the culture of the SWAC was already amazing, but now he's bringing eyes, not just you know other HBCU fans, not just SWAC fans, alumni who got to experience it, but media presence from around the nation. Um, and of course, we've seen his recruiting classes. And now he's been just dominating the SWAC. Um, so, of course, the other head coaches, they love that he's bringing eyeballs. It's only going to mean bigger paychecks one day, right? But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, they don't like how he's getting all the eyeballs. Uh, they don't like how it seems like the SWAC is just now Jackson State. Uh, <laughs> so I think there's going to be a lot of this back and forth type of tension with every coach and maybe Coach Sanders. Uh, again, probably not to the pushing hands on faces type of thing. But um, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of no love lost in these future games as long as Coach Dion is continuing to be at Jackson State. But overall, it's entertaining. I mean, I'll just say that. Yeah, if they if they want to put their name out in front of his, then somebody's got to beat him. I mean, you got to beat him. You got to beat him. And yeah. right now, nobody has. And I mean, he's even, you know, he's stumping for Shadur for the Heisman. I mean, we all know it's not going to happen. Yeah. But guess what? Sports Center was posting Shadur's highlights yesterday on their, you know, Twitter page. So, yeah. Like we, we've said, he, Dion knows what he's doing. The recruits see that. All he's going to do is build that program. So, sure. no problem at all with what he's doing. Uh, nope. gotta, gotta love it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Our next question comes from Preston Adams. We're going to go to the other side of the uh, celebration bowl equation. He says, Who the heck will come out of the MEAC? Norfolk State versus Morgan State game was insane. Um, yeah, that game was insane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Norfolk State gets up early, 17 to nothing, I believe. And then Morgan State scores the next 21. And then game-winning score from uh, Jalen Adams, the quarterback there, actually uh, transferred him to Citadel with five seconds left. Yeah. Um, but as far as for who's coming out of the MEAC, uh, I don't think it's either one of these teams. Uh, North Carolina Central, to me, looks a lot better than – Everybody else in the MEAC, they've got a couple of quality wins. I mean, they destroyed New Hampshire. Yeah. They beat Campbell. Well, uh, they, they, they got they got dominated by Campbell. Got dominated by Campbell. That, yeah, I had yeah. that one backwards. But, but they beat New Hampshire, yeah. who's unbeaten in CAA play. Yeah. Lost all their out-of-conference games, but that's not a slouch team in New <clears throat> Hampshire. Yeah, New so, Hampshire's 4-0 in the CAA. They're yeah. a historic you know, playoff. They've been down the last five years, but that is not a win that you're bummed about if you're North Carolina central, but yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Cause when I look at Norfolk, I mean, they're just, I know they're technically number one in the MEAC right now. Cause they're the only one with the conference win. Um, but I think Morgan state, Delaware state, Norfolk state, they're all pretty bad across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, I still have hope for um, South Carolina state, right. Just because they were the champs last year, they went to the celebration bowl. They, they beat, you know, Jackson state, but as of right now, I mean, they haven't played up to par. Um, and, and the nice thing is we saw North Carolina also beat NCA and T 
right? Th- yep. This was this was That's the program was that has still yeah. dominated the MIAC every time that they've played. Um, I mean, South Carolina State, they got beat bad by the AEs. And, and Central was able to come in there, kind of do whatever they wanted. I mean, it was a pretty impressive performance early in the season. So, yeah, I think right now you still got to say the heavy favorite is most likely Central. Um, and, yeah, they, they had a not the best performance against Campbell. I mean, they didn't yeah, look good yeah. at all. Um, and Campbell didn't look very good against, was it Elon? Yeah, um, I mean, Elon beat them. Elon or something like that. Campbell hasn't year. looked you know, great, great this year, but, I mean, that's been the thing for Campbell too. I mean, they haven't really looked great, but you know, they should still win that conference this year. So for sure. But yeah, yeah. I I think I got to go central. So unfortunately we're both agreeing. So maybe we needed Matt and his bad takes to, we need uh, somebody that uh, (laughs) disagrees with us. Maybe I'll just take the opposite side of you later on. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Disagreeing stuff is bull crap. So yep. uh, Oh yeah. I'll just drink. We're fine. Yeah. There we go. Um, well, yeah, great pre- question there, Preston. Uh, yeah, that that was an insane game. Uh, Fun. I mean, those are the kind of games that you expect from the MIAC, though, because whether they're in the grand scheme of the FCS, not as good as other conferences, they are peer institutions, and they play a peer institution games, mm-hmm. so they are fun to watch. And, you know, you got to take stuff like that for what it is. They're not going to hit the top 25 very often. They're not going to blow other teams out, you know, and out of conference. But when you get in conference, anything can happen. I mean, even when A&T was playing in the, the MEAC and just the dominant team, they would drop a game to Morgan State. For sure. They would drop a game to Central. And, you know, that's just the nature of the MEAC. Uh, of course, we don't think they, you know, compete in the uh, Celebration Bowl this year. But, you know, I'm looking forward to a good MEAC race uh, in the in the conference. Yeah. Uh, the third question comes from a combination uh, FC, Reddit FCS guys sent you a kind of a note of how many bids can the Southland get? And along that same line, uh, it basically their question was if SLU now wins out and commerce wins out, except for versus incarnate word, how many bids does the Southland get? They think they could be two. Uh, Jason Plotkin along the same lines asked, uh, what are the ramifications of, SLU's loss to Commerce yesterday. So where do you come down on that one? I mean, it's interesting because if if Incarnate Word, because they at least have the out-of-conference resume, if they win out, I mean, they're in. Um, even if maybe SLU, that's their only loss. And I don't know the exact rules with the Southland. If Does SLU win because they won the head-to-head? I assume yeah. so, even though they have a much worse loss in Texas, you know, A&M Commerce. But um yeah, so as long as Incarnate Word wins out, they're in either as the, the Southland champ or as a, a qualifier. I mean, they're going to be in no matter what as long as they win out. The, the other question is, ooh, this is tough because this is not a good loss. Now, yes, uh, we've all been kind of pumping for AM Commerce to be a good team in the FCS in a few years. I don't think anyone's shocked that Texas AM Commerce, which is a historic two powerhouse, was going to come in there and, you know, shake some things up and maybe one of the bottom tier conferences after some of the powers of that conference left. But uh, this is a bad loss. It's still a bad loss from a transitioning team. I mean, I'm pretty sure Commerce can't go to the playoffs no matter what because the NCAA is really dumb um, and they penalize teams for moving up but not penalizing teams for moving down. That makes no sense. That's a whole different discussion. So it's going to be interesting. I still think it's it's potentially a two-bid league. You know, depends on what Southeastern Louisiana does. If they win out the rest of the year, 
I don't think it matters what Texas A&M Commerce does. If they went out and they get the auto bid, well, then they're going to be two bids. If if for some reason SLU, they have one more loss, you're probably only looking at Incarnate Word being from the Southland. I mean, I, I see one really good team out of the Southland, and then I see, well, who knows, um, potentially a playoff team, potentially not. That loss was not good. I actually dropped SLU out of my top 25 completely, unfortunately, even though they have that big win uh, against Incarnate Word. But man, I'm... I have to lean towards more just Lindsey Scott Jr. I saw him the game before and he was limping. Uh, I think he was just a little bit injured in that game. Uh, so if I had to put money on it, I don't think SLU probably gets away with another win against Incarnate Word if they played. So yeah, it's, it's looking like it's potentially one, one for sure. Well, of course, because you know a champ will always get in. Uh, but potentially two, but it all just depends on what SLU can do the rest of the season. If they yeah. went out, it's a two-bid conference. But if not, probably not. Probably just a one. Yeah, I mean, you're not keeping Incarnate Word out. I mean, they got an FBS win, and all of a sudden now that Southeast Southern Illinois it looks win phenomenal. is looking much, much better because yeah. they've righted the ship. And I, I think, I mean, I got to give a lot of credit to Dustin Helton. He's been calling out, you know, you know, the, all the transfers they brought in and giving it time to gel. And I, I think, I think he's right there. And all that's going to do is just benefit Incarnate Word. Um, yeah, looking at Southeastern Louisiana. They've got one home game left yeah. at Jacksonville State at McNeese, which, you know, that's, you know, a rivalry going to McNeese. Not always an easy place to play at Lamar. I think you, me, Matt, and eight of our friends could beat them. Yeah. Uh, their home game is Northwestern State, who actually has started the conference season 2-0. Yeah. I know they haven't played anybody, but still, you never know. Right. And then the Riverbell Classic against Nichols. Nichols doesn't look that good this year, but again, rivalry game, and you never know. But Yeah, and last year, those teams played – Southeastern Louisiana pretty well. I mean, McNeese yep. had one of the worst defenses in the nation, and Southeastern Louisiana had Cole Kelly, right? <laughs> what what more can you say about Cole Kelly? And the game was still close. Yep. It's hard to just look at some of these rivalry games and go, all right, one team's so much better than the other. It should be a win. You don't see that all the time. Rivalry games are spooky. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think both teams hold their own fate. They both went out. There's two. One of them loses. It Probably. just depends on yep. what the other – team does yep exactly i mean hey if, if they play the games on paper our top 25 at the beginning of the year would be beautiful right now yeah. Uh, yeah. as it are they're trash because you know we had some pretty bad teams in the top 10 yeah <laughs> so, no comment on to the next question is we <laughs> if anybody's watching on youtube sorry buddy uh <laughs> um i thought you just said question. um you don't ever give the rev you know flack Right, we just had a, it was in a DM. You're like, see, see, I never talk crap to the rev. What happens in the private chat stays in the private chat. No, no, everything is. <laughs> oh wait, no, I think I did say that in 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 public, didn't I? I don't know. Yeah, it was it was the group one, so you're good. It was, yeah, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. Hey, you, you got to take your shots where you can. <laughs> um, yeah. So on, as you know, we can't stay away from our big three. I know people hate that term, but you know what? We got a big three, and we still have a big three. And Tim Rask wants to know, now that we're a few games into conference play, how many teams will the CAA have and who are they? I think I mentioned last week that I was going on media credentials to Delaware, William & Mary. Uh, so in uh, Rev, his question was, how was it being a credential media member? So I think I'll take this time talking about the CAA to go through that. It was a lot of fun. You know, I got a parking spot right up by the stadium. Went in. I was able during warm-ups to be down on the field, watch William and Mary warm up, 
went down to the other end, watched Delaware, got to see, you know, Nolan Henderson warm up, start to get his throws going. I mean, he's not as big a guy as, as any other quarterbacks. And he was a rail when he uh, came in, but he's definitely put on some bulk. So uh, to see him uh, in person again, uh, to see that he's put on some bulk, he, he's definitely uh, matured and, you know, made my way up to the press box. They had a nice little sticker for me. I even have it right here. You know, had my name. Nice. I was sitting, you know, second row up in the press box, 50-yard line. You know, just got to watch the game from there, interact with a bunch of, you know, the, the Delaware and the Women Mary group. And I met Rob Washburn, who is uh, the communications director for the CAA. He handles their weekly media calls. Cool thing is he's aware of our group. Oh, cool. I introduced myself to him. He introduced himself to me. He said, you know, appreciate what you guys do for the subdivision and the CAA. So it, it was cool to see that people pay attention um, and under, see that our group does have an impact. So it, it's, it was great to see and appreciate William and Mary for, you know, the credentials. And on top of that, it was a phenomenal game. Came down to the last play, back and forth. Uh, William and Mary's offense, man, that is fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch William and Mary, I know they're all, all always on flow, so that sucks, but they always have two quarterbacks on the field, sometimes three, and they'll start with one guy, and then they'll shift their motion, and the other guy lines up behind center. And then one time they had Darius Wilson, Hollis Mathis, and Kayla Newton on the field. They pitched the ball to Malachi Emo, who's a running back, and he threw the pass. <laughs> I, I mean, just a fun, fun offense to watch. <clears throat> Delaware battled back. They've got some hard-hitting defensive players. Johnny Buchanan, gosh, he laid somebody out. Uh, 29, I forget his name. He, he made a pop that I heard in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, so to answer the question, after my long-winded speech about you know being at the game, which was a blast, both of those teams are playoff teams. Yeah. Unless they really fall off the face of the earth at the end of the, end of the season, they're both playoff teams. Elon is a playoff team. And again, you know, as currently – Stated, I mean, they've got wins over William and Mary and Richmond. I think Richmond is a bubble team, maybe one of those last four in, first four out. And then Rhode Island and Villanova can still make enough noise to put themselves in. So I think the CAA winds up with four bids. Kyler, what do you think? Yeah, the, the CAA is only annoying conference for me just because I do my best to watch games from everywhere. I, I don't watch any CAA games. I, I can't. I'm not doing flow. It's, it's annoying. So tell your dude next time you see him, do what the rest of the FCS is doing. Put it on ESPN+. Plus. It's only going to favor you in the long run with the rankings because I doubt many media outside of the CA are paying attention to CAA games. I do my best to try and follow game scores, game threads, and pull up the ESPN app, but I don't get to see the visual. Like sometimes I can see a team where they haven't played a lot of strong teams and I go, but they look the part. You can use the eyeball test. I'm just using the app test for the CA. And, and again, it, that's where I don't like any of my CA ratings. I don't know if I'm too high, too low. Um, when I did my top 25 today, I currently had five CA teams. And I thought, I don't really like it. But at the end of the day, they've kind of all had some decent wins. You know, New Hampshire just slid back in, even though we just talked about them losing to Central. But they just slid into my number 24 spot because they're still 4-0 in the CA. They, they beat Monmouth, who's actually looking to be a top-half conference team. When you're looking at the CA, of course, just conference record-wise, there's probably still 8 to 10 teams who can make a run to, to make some noise to maybe get to that four-loss spot. Now, is that going to happen? Absolutely not. Um, 
But as of right now, I mean, the biggest conference in the league, I, I think it's safe to assume they're at least going to get four bids. Um, there could be a shocking scenario where they get maybe five, and it's more due to they're smart and they're at a conference scheduling for the main part. They, they play weaker programs, which at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, a win's a win. Is it a great win? Is it a, a strength of schedule booster? No, but a win's a win. And if you have two more wins than maybe someone else who had a really difficult schedule, that's still two more FCS wins. And that can kind of go a long way. Um, now, if someone has the same record, that's where it's going to bite you in the butt. Um, so that's kind of where you have to pick your poison. But yeah, I mean, probably four is realistic because um, they're going to start playing each other, going to start beating each other up. But also when the conference is this big, you're going to be avoiding a lot of the other good teams, uh, which makes it a little interesting uh, just because they, and they're only going to grow next year. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be in, kind of insane what happens to the CA uh, in the next few years because people complain about the big sky not playing anyone. Well, the, the CA is not going to play half of their conference, not, not just three of their teams or four. They're not going to play half, which is going to be really confusing. But yeah, I mean, four teams, if I had to bet money on it, I'd say right now, Big Sky, Missouri Valley, CA all looks like they're potentially going to have four teams. And the SOCOM looks like they could potentially have three teams, four teams. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd put money on four teams right now. Yeah, I agree. And the wild card there, like I think we mentioned, is New Hampshire. Because yeah. not only have they started 4-0 in conference, they don't play Delaware and they don't play William & Mary. Yeah, they can they win get, the conference. They get Elon at home and they travel to Richmond. And it's tough to play at New Hampshire. It is. And I mean, they, they do have Rhode Island and then Maine's always a rivalry. Maine's way down this year. Yeah. So if they win two of the three of Richmond, Elon and, and Rhode Island might be hard to keep them out. It, so it's yeah, going to be a mess. Pushes Rhode Island out. Yep. Most so likely. that's where it's going to be one of those things. Probably one team just replaces the other in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to bet on four teams. I would assume. Yeah. And, and, you know, as the, parody or the bloodletting takes place in the smaller conferences. Like, like think about the OVC. If SEMO wins out and UT Martin wins out, SEMO's probably getting in and UT Martin's left out, depending on how they do their auto bid. Cause UT I don't know. Cause play anybody. UT Martin, don't they have a win over Southern Illinois? Uh, no, they lost to Missouri state. Oh no. It's SEMO who, who has a win over Southern Illinois. Yes. That's what it was. Okay. So, so, yeah, yeah that, think, that conference is annoying, too, because they don't play each other. And yeah. it's a conference with seven teams. Yeah. Don't give the big sky any crap anymore, um, SoCon fans. You have a conference of seven teams that don't even play everyone. That is ridiculous. Sam Herter actually had the reason for that last week. I don't and care. It, I'll be either, but I'll tell, the, <laughs> I'll tell our viewership why, because maybe two people care. But when Lindenwood jumped in late to the OVC, it allow it instead of making everybody take away an out of conference game, they just gave Lindenwood games in conference and took away certain conference games. And of course, Simo and Martin was the one they took away stupidly. And that's going to wind up as a mess for their conference. And they're going to be whining when they get one bid and the other team is left out with a similar record. But can you leave it it out if they go seven or six and oh, seven and oh in conference? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, McNeese got left out at nine and two one year, right? Yeah, but they also didn't, you know, 
go undefeated in their conference. Yeah, but I think the two losses. Well, did yeah, they would have lost. No, they had, yeah, they had a D two win, which yeah. if they had an another bad FCS win, they're in for sure. Yeah, they had a D two win, which hurt them. So they were really eight wins. Yeah, and Sam Houston won the conference. Yeah, so that's you know it's it's that one's going to come down to the end because I again I don't really see either one of those teams really getting much of a challenge in the in the conference. Uh, yeah. Zemo does play Eastern Kentucky, who doesn't seem to look as good. I mean, I, I think you mentioned it earlier. You've got nobody in the A-Sun and nobody in the WAC in your top 25 because all of a sudden they all look like they're down. Somebody's yeah. got to get a bid, but but those two conferences are getting one bid between them. I, yeah. I don't see a second bid coming anymore. I don't think so either. I mean, if Jacksonville State, if we were allowed to rank them, I would, I would have them ranked. I would. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not good. No. So yeah, four teams in the CA. Is that kind of what you're saying too? Yep. Yeah. We're right okay. around four. It's just a matter of who. Yeah. All right. Next. Got another combined question. Uh, Joshua Hoffman asks, is the parody in the FCS as a whole, or have we not seen enough certain key matchups to show us yet? And Kevin Maydole at the same time said, is there a decent size gap between the top six, that being the two Dakota States and the four top big sky teams and everybody else? Um. I think there kind of is a separation between the top six. Um, and I think the top six have kind of gotten closer together as North Dakota State's come back to the field a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I hated, I mean, hated to see them still win the other day, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll just say it. Matt's not here. Yep, no, we'll say it to you. Screw but, you, Matt. Uh, you know, at the same time, like, their problem is the mistakes that they're making this year. They fumbled three times, including um, potential uh, best player in the FCS, Walter Payton, award winner-ish, uh, Hunter Lippi, yep, not happening. Fumbling into the end zone, going into yeah. score on his, uh, you know, which would, you know, would have kind of put the game away for them. Uh, three fumbles for the team, but they still also ran for 300 and some yards. So they still kind of dominated the game. Right. They just let them hang around. Once they got the lead, they kind of toyed with them. Um, but they've kind of come back to the pack and, and we'll see how far back this week, um, as you know, the start, but I do think that's the top six and then everybody else, because who's that next team that's seven, are we talking Holy Cross Mercer? That's probably the next group. Then your Delaware, Elon, William, Mary, Chattanooga, there's a big chunk in the next group, but I, I think your top tier is becoming a little bit more gummed up. And I, but at the same time, I still don't see the parity because it's the same teams at the top six that yeah. you would expect now that JMU's gone. Yeah, it's um the only reason why maybe it seems like there's more parity is because normally we have like a, a four, four to five teams where you're like, they could compete. Most likely it's still just NDSU um, and JMU. That's that's kind of what it is. But you're like, maybe there's four to six or four to five. Now there's one more. I don't, I don't think that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I do think if you've been paying attention to the big sky since 2018, I've kind of said it before 2018, they weren't, a, they were still, you know, a top three conference, but they were always three. It, it, but ever since 2018, there's been some phenomenal hires. There's been a resurgent there. That conference is doing it so well to where the teams are getting so much better every single year, kind of with their hires, with their recruiting, with their marketing, with their media, they are becoming legit. Uh, and it's only getting scarier when, you know, you have an Idaho, when you have even UC Davis, who guess what? 
They took Weaver to the road. They took South Dakota State to the road. Dan Hawkins, phenomenal coach. When the bottom tier coaches are still successful, previous FBS coaches from Boise State, probably a pretty good conference. Uh, but is there a decent gap between the top six and the rest? Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, that top, that tier two, let's say it's, what would you say tier one is right now? Montana, South Dakota State, NDSU? Dakota State, yeah. Or do you lump all six of them? In I mean, right tier? now, you can't really leave out the other three big sky teams, except for the fact that, well, I mean, Sacramento State, to me, doesn't get enough run. All that yeah. team's done is win the last three years. I mean, the coach, as soon as he took over, it's just Troy Taylor has been phenomenal. And, and I don't think he gets near the credit. And, these are finally his players. Yeah. And it's showing, and they are just beating people. They've got an FBS win. Weaver State has an FBS win. Oh my gosh, they're healthy. They're not yeah. overrated. They weren't they weren't overrated last year. They were hurt. Yeah. And they're back. I mean, Eastern's still not a bad team, but they're gonna finish in the bottom because they've got a murderer's row schedule and they're just a little bit worse than those other teams. And then yeah. you know, Montana State, vegan, you know, building the right way. Yeah, Tommy Malat goes down. They're in trouble. They got a better no, quarterback. John Chambers is amazing. <laughs> like, what the heck? And then you know what else do you do? It's the next team up. I mean, yeah. Jason Eck in Idaho. They're just, and I I think it's is what you said is just that conference is building a conference together. Yeah. And you know you lost Southern Utah, so even the geography shrinks up even just that little bit more. But, you know, we always say Tom Wister still is the best commissioner in the FCS, and it's hard to argue it because all those teams just keep building and other programs and other sports are, are still good too. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're going to be there. And then you've got the two Dakota states, and I think they're separating themselves in the Valley, although we'll see if Southern Illinois can put themselves back into the race. But But I like still Tier 2 maybe a little bit more this year than previous years. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think in Tier 2, you got Southern Illinois, who is now making a resurgence. Yes, they looked bad in the beginning of the year. But after that Northwestern win, they gained confidence. Something's turning around. That is a big win. It was win. the sock Lukey. It was the sock Lukey. They got really offended by that post. They turned it around. But then you got Incarnate Word. You got Mercer, who looks fantastic. They are a well-oiled machine right now. Yes, they Talk about played. eye test. Yeah, they haven't played many good ones. This is the one where we can watch the game live that I can't do with the CA and go, they pass the eye test. They are fantastic. Delaware, I would still say Delaware is a pretty dang good team. They mm -hmm. lost to William & Mary for homecoming on yeah. the road, last second play. Yep. I still think they're a tier two. Chattanooga's been looking pretty decent, right? Um, yeah, I think um, I think maybe there is a little more parity this year, uh, but I don't know if it's, it's title contending parity. Right, and that's the question I was going to have. Do you think – I mean, maybe more than other years where you would be a little less surprised if one of those tier two teams beats one of those tier one teams in the quarters of semis, right. like a Youngstown State in 2016. Yeah. That's how long it's been since we've had one. Yeah, and I, I think this is a type of year where maybe we can see something like that. It does seem like, well, I mean, you had SDSU. Now, I don't. they weren't a seed, but they made it all the way to the semis, but I don't think any of us really viewed them as a non-seed, even though they yeah. weren't. Uh, they just had a few injuries. They, they lost a game. They shouldn't with a Hail Mary. If they win that, they're a seat, right? Easily. Um, yep. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I, th I do think the portal is going to make the whole FCS change and it can change very quick. Um, I mean, you can have 
and the recruiting's getting absurd. I mean, Campbell, they had an amazing class last year. It's, it's even becoming better this year. I mean, whatever they're doing, we're going to see a 30 for 30 on them soon. It doesn't matter. Um, but I think with the portal, it can change things right away. You can have a team, and I'm just going to throw this out because it's not this year, but you can have a team like Northern Colorado, who has just been horrible. They haven't been good. There's a little bit of life right now. It's not enough life, but promising life compared to last year um, in the beginning of the season. But at the end of the day, they could have tons of drop downs that actually got playing time or whatnot because the portal's insane. Um, and it can completely change a program in one year where previously you wouldn't see this type of instant change. It would be, all right, you're building. You got two years. You can prove yourself. With the portal going on right now, you can have a team go from nothing to something really fast. And then you'll always still have your powers that recruit well, that develop well. But the portal is making things change. And maybe maybe we also are only talking about parity a little bit more because NDSU doesn't seem as dominant right now. And maybe that's where we're like, oh, there's so much parity. But maybe it's just NDSU is closer to two than they ever have been before. Or maybe we're just all overreacting because NDSU has played close games against Youngstown State, who was trash of previous years. They lost to, wasn't it, Indiana State back in the day when they won a title? (laughs) I mean, like, Indiana State was a five-win team. So, like, they have had these type of situations in the past, and all of a sudden, playoff NDSU looks like someone who is going to murder you by 150. So maybe we're all just overreacting, but that's where we see that parody question. You go, oh, NDSU doesn't look like this unstoppable force. And all these other teams, they kind of look unstoppable right now. Yeah, maybe it's if, just, yeah, we're all getting a little closer. Yeah, But if NDSU wins this week, guess what? They're in the dome for the playoffs. And guess who doesn't win in the playoff? Anywhere in the playoffs in the dome? Everybody but NDSU, except yeah. for the random one. We got them once. Yeah, I mean. Sure. If they're at home in the dome in the playoffs, one or two seed, they're in front of us in Frisco again. Yep, and, good luck. You know, if people do move them down in their uh, ballots this week, no problem with that because other teams certainly have looked better and have better resumes. Yeah. But it might also be an overreaction. Like I said, they still ran for 300 yards. Yeah, I kept They them just at made one. mistakes that they never make. <laughs> yeah, I kept them at one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Valley itself, uh, Dustin Perman asked, are the Valley teams starting to separate or is it too early to tell? And when you look at the Valley, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and Southern Illinois are all 3-0 in conference with North Dakota at 3-1. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that the separation or is there somebody else or, or is it still too early to tell? What do you think? So I definitely think South Dakota State and North Dakota State have already separated themselves, and they have for the last eight-plus years. Um, I mean, those are always the top two teams. But now it's who's playing for that three and four. Um, Southern Illinois, the last few years, they've been playing some you know pretty good football, building up to something special, and then they looked really bad in the beginning of the year. Now they're pulling it together. I, I think they are probably the third-best Valley team. Um, North Dakota looks good. They look like a solid team. Now they should have, you know, almost lost to NAU, who now does not look even remotely competitive. So when you're looking at the rest of the Valley, Northern Iowa got spanked by, uh, you know, Sac State pretty easily. And they lost to Illinois State. Illinois State, I don't think is very good. Youngstown State, I was really pissed when people were giving them top 25 votes because of they are beating Pioneer League teams. Um, everyone in the Valley, even now Missouri State, Everyone outside of those top four don't look good. 
And this is where the Valley is interesting because normally you can have five, six teams because they're dominating their out-of-conference schedule. Now you look at it and go, all right, the third best Valley team on paper, they got trounced. They got dominated by Incarnate Word and they lost to the OVC potential champ. That doesn't bode well for the Valley. Uh, UND, they don't look exceptional well when they're getting competitive gains versus maybe the Big Sky's 10th ranked team. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day. So I think two teams definitely separated themselves. Then you have two other that look like playoff caliber teams. And then the rest of the Valley, I don't think looks good at all this year. Um, and, and maybe it's I'm viewing India or I'm viewing the Valley on a higher pedestal because of how dominant they've been. So when I say they don't look very good this year, I'm not saying they look like the big South. I'm not saying they look like the OVC. They just don't look like the Valley right now. I, I think you got four playoff teams. Two of them separated themselves from the others. The other two, they may still have some struggles now and then, but um, yeah, there's probably four teams that kind of look on the top half of the pack, top half of the FCS. The rest, man, it, it doesn't look good. And honestly, when you look at it, Southern Illinois has to keep winning. Uh-huh. Those but out of conference. North, North Dakota. North Dakota has to beat one of South Dakota State or North Dakota State, or they're not getting in. Yeah. If they lose to both of those teams, the only other teams on their schedule are Abilene Christian, Indiana State, and South Dakota. They lose to the two Dakota states. They don't have the resume, and that's a three-bid valley. Could you imagine a three-bid valley? Like they're well, they're gonna have to get four. North Dakota's gonna have to go on a run, or somebody else is gonna have to go balls out the rest of the way. Well, here's the deal: because the committee, and I don't think you and I agree with this, they can't they count ranked wins at the time when a team was yeah. ranked. So Missouri State has not looked good the last four weeks. But guess what? North Dakota, they just beat them as a ranked team. So if if they lose to those two Dakota schools, well, guess what? They probably still are going to have considered a ranked win, which is a playoff-worthy win, um, even though if we don't think it should be, right? There's That's that argument all of us have made a lot. Um, the committee doesn't seem to get that most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, they beat Northern Iowa. They beat NAU. So they went two... Or I guess, yeah, they're going to beat Abilene Christian, I would assume. Um, so they went two and one in at a conference schedule. If they lose three conference games, they're probably in. At seven Which, and four. With, yeah, if, yeah, because of the Missouri. They're going to be on the bubble. Yeah, because they and, lost to Nebraska, so that doesn't hurt them. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. So, yeah, they're going to be on the bubble, and when it comes down to it, they're probably going to give a fourth yeah. Valley team versus a third yeah, or fourth. Yeah, they'll give a fourth team, Valley but, team. But I, I think – they, they would do well to win one of those two games, and they get South Dakota State at home after a bye week, after South Dakota State plays the Bison. Yeah. Maybe they'll come in limping. Maybe they'll come in off a high, off of a big win. Maybe they'll get beat up. Who knows? Right. Um, so North Dakota's going to have to take advantage of, of that. Yeah. Uh, on to the last of our big seven. Uh, Jacob Martinez, his thoughts on KSU moving up to the CUSA. He also said, uh, when did tickets go on sale? That banger of a game between Kennesaw State and New Mexico State. And then at the same time, Andrew Markham says, do you foresee the teams being linked to FBS moves is able to be remotely successful in the first five years? Uh, as far as KSU moving to CUSA, it's what CUSA does. They go for big markets, and Kennesaw is just outside of the Atlanta market. It's on brand. Yeah, It's not the right way to build. Because they're just pulling in decent teams. I mean, and even Jacksonville State's not really a big market. They're kind of outskirts of Chattanooga, outskirts of Atlanta. So, you know, you get them in those markets. That's a good pull. 
eventually I, I think they can build something, but in the next five years, I don't see any success for Sam Houston at the FBS level. I don't see any success for Kennesaw at the FBS level. Jacksonville State, I could see some success. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe two years, you know, let them get their scholarships up. I mean, Rich Rise, for as much as I don't like him, he can coach. I don't think, I mean, nobody's going to be in the realm of what JMU's doing. We did it right. Uh, we were ready. Um, you know, I, I, I can beat our drum all night. I mean, hey, guess what? We're ranked in the FBS in case nobody knew. Um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Say what your chest. Right. So, you know, I, it's it's hard to see these transitioning teams move up, but who knows? I mean, Tarleton wants to move up. You know, Missouri State could be get a call. You know, if, if yeah. I don't think we're done with, with the, the uh, movement. Um, no. But I, I think Kennesaw State moving up is good for Kennesaw State. It's not good for Kennesaw State football for a while. I mean, Coach Bohannon is a good coach, and I think he's kind of starting to figure out how to how to set the blocks up. I watched a little bit of the Jacksonville State game, and you can see they adapted the offense a little bit, so they're learning how to get around that new rule. But, I mean, the triple option is still the triple option. It's right. still a terrible offense, and it's a terrible offense at the FBS level. And, you know, Navy figured it out. Army figured it out for a little while, but their service academies, that's what they have to run. Yeah. That's what Bohannon runs, and he teaches it well, but it's not going to be – Anything that's going to sustain them, especially at the FBS level, and yeah. not in CU, not even in CUSA. Yeah, and and they just went toe to toe in overtime against North Alabama. Who, I mean, Chattanooga mollywopped them, uh, Tarleton mollywopped them. So if if you're looking at is this a good move for Kennesaw State as of right now as a football program because they're saying as early as 2023 or 2024, I think 24. So at least they get a few years. Um, it doesn't look promising on the football field, but I mean, out of programs, if you can build alumni fan base who gets excited, I mean, their school is huge. They got a large athletic, um, department in terms of revenue and all of that. They don't have the facilities yet. They're nice facilities. They're just extremely small, but they're extremely nice. I mean, if if you're talking about what's the best small facility, probably Kennesaw state has it. Um, but they got 40,000 kids. They're in a booming metropolitan area in atlanta um it's a i think if you get an invite it's kind of dumb to turn it down unless yeah. you just totally can't afford it with you know adding title nine scholarships and stuff like that if you can afford to add the scholarships i think it's pretty dumb to turn it down kennesaw state can afford it they're big school big athletic budget um but it's a bad look for conference usa right now and the reason why i say that is not because i don't have faith in kennesaw state i was just propping them up i think out of schools that aren't ready right now they have probably some of the most potential to be ready because of their school size because of their location because of their revenue because of their money they can make it happen as long as you start getting the fan base excited for fbs football if the donors start pouring in it can happen and it can be a nice program um you got to get away from the triple option but i don't like what conference usa is doing as of right now i mean the the bylaws is you're supposed to average fifteen thousand in attendance Yes, it's not regulated because if you watch Matt games, if you watch Ken, uh, Conference USA games, no one's having 15,000. It is what it is. There are two really bad conferences in the F- FBS level. But now you have added two programs out of your three that don't even have a 15K seat stadium. Sam Houston's at 12. Their fan base is not that, imp- 
impressive. And I, I don't mean to be rude. I've been to the games there. I think it's a nice facility for what it is. It is not FBS ready. And I've seen plans that a lot of their fans say, nope, we're 100% going to you know, build on it. Everything's positive. But their fans voted against, or their, their actual student base voted against the same thing that made JMU super successful in their students paying that fee to help expand athletics. Sam Houston college kids don't want it. So that hurts. And then you add a team that has 8,300 seats. One of the smallest facilities in the FCS. I mean, I make fun of Easterns for 8,600. We can fit 10,000 in ours. Kennesaw State's not fitting 10,000. I mean, now is it easily expandable? Yes. Can they expand it? Yes. There's a lot of things Kennesaw can do to get them ready. But what we've seen with their fan base, they don't have any support. If for if they can somehow fix the fan base support, turn it over night and day, it's an amazing move. It's a smart move. You're going to make more money. But you got to figure out a way to make that fan base excited for your football program. I know it's still early, but you're averaging 3,000 fans, 4,000 fans, and you're going to the FBS. That's a bad look for Conference USA. Yeah. You're not building that conference to be elite. You're not building that conference to be strong. I know like Brandon Owens and a lot of the Jacksonville State fans think it's a beautiful conference and they're doing it just like the Sun Belt. No. The Sun Belt added fantastic programs who were national title contenders every year, giant fan bases at this level. I mean, Marshall had, what, 30,000 seats? App State, 35,000 seats. JMU, 26,000. They're expanding on the other side. They already sell out. They added one solid fan base in Jacksonville State. Then two really, really bad stinking fan bases. So, and I, again, I don't want to sound that as rude. If you're a Sam Houston fan, a Kennesaw State fan, I love you. You're a good fan. But the rest of the alumni is not good. I'm an Eastern fan. I get it. Our alumni base sucks. We do not have a great fan base. We have a loyal fan base. It's not great. I'm not thinking we're FBS ready. <laughs> so you got to figure out a way to change that whole environment and the culture of your program. If you do that, you can be successful, especially Kennesaw State. If you can't change it, no. Yeah, my only pushback on the location is how saturated that Atlanta market is with FBS yeah. teams. I mean, Georgia's Georgia not far Tech's away. Right there. The Georgia Tech's right there. Georgia State's right there. I mean, yeah. Southern's in, obviously a few hours away. But, I mean, go across the border, you've got Alabama and Auburn. Like, So it's going to be a tough pull for them. Because the only thing that helps that though is they also are the second largest school in Georgia or the, the yeah, largest. They're a large school. 40,000 kids or something yeah, like that. So 40, if they can kids. build that culture, that's yeah. 10,000 graduates every single year, 15,000 graduates every single year. That I mean, that can change. That's more graduates per year than most FCS schools have in yeah. their college. Yeah, but that's not an immediate turnaround. So they're right, going to have to right, go through sure. some lean times before they yeah, they start really the making some noise. <laughs> they got to change the culture or else it sucks. And it's just going to be another UTEP, really bad program. New Mexico State, really bad program. The Conference USA just looks bad. It looks bad. I mean, I hope for the best for your teams. I really do. I don't know one person from each of those fan bases that I dislike. I like them all. Uh, but ugh, that conference looks horrible. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's how we end our big seven today. So I uh, hope you guys are hungry because it's on to the taco bet. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's Taco Bets. All right. We got a pretty easy one for the taco bet this week. We can settle it within one week and know who's going to owe tacos or not owe tacos. 
So pretty easy one. Uh, Jeremiah Rash had one. He wanted to say that uh, SIU beats NDSU and only has one loss left. Jeremiah, bring that one back up in November when we get closer to that game. But for this week, Steve Anderson wants us to get, wants to know over or under 150 rushing yards for Isaiah Davis against North Dakota State in the Dome. So I made this the taco bet. Kyler, kick it off. So, I mean, they've already had two running backs get 150 yards on them. Uh, this this last week against Indiana State, I think the dude had 156 yards. And then uh, McLaughlin from Youngstown State, 150 yards. So it's looking promising. Uh, because Isaiah Davis is a stud. If South Dakota State's a great O-line. They are a very good team. I'm going to shoot for the under, though. I think NDSU is going to be a little bit more pumped up for this game. I think they're going to have a little bit of fire. I think they're getting yelled at, beat. Like, I think they're getting smacked in the face. Um, I'm pretty sure the head coach is like, if you do this one more time, you're you're going to um, – where, where's where's North Dakota? Where's that North? Forks. I, I forgot. Yeah, Grand Forks. They're like, you're going to go transfer to Grand Forks. Um, no, I'm actually going to go the under. Just, But I think – yeah, I'm going to go the under. Well – it would be a punk move for me to just take the under and agree with you because that's stupid. So I'm definitely going to take the over. <laughs> um, like you said, I mean, lesser running backs. I mean, have run for 150 yards mm-hmm. on North Dakota State. And Spencer Wagey's out for the year. Uh, and I don't remember the linebacker who's out for the year, one of their leading tacklers. Uh, attrition has finally caught up to them. And you know South Dakota State's going to want to pound the rock. Yeah. And if they can try to embarrass North Dakota state. They're going to try to embarrass North Dakota state in their own building and just give the ball to Isaiah Davis. He looks like he's heading downhill. He had a great game against South Dakota at home. I I think he's opened up for a huge, huge day over 150 yards. Not saying who's going to win the game yet, but I think Isaiah Davis has a big day. Wait, hold on. Okay. Let's see. Cause this is going to be weird. Where do you think? Cause we, I'm sure we haven't looked it up. Where do you think, North Dakota State's run defense is currently ranked in the nation. Gosh, it's probably in the 50s. You're pretty close. It is tied at 59, which would also make it 60. When was the last time North Dakota State has averaged, given up 148.7 yards? And they haven't had the most brutal schedule either. They've had a pretty easy schedule, like we just mentioned, the their last two games, the running backs have given up over 150 yards. Um, and, and we all think South Dakota State and their running back is better. Maybe not better than McLaughlin. I think you can have a debate for that. He, Davis may be better for sure, but McLaughlin's having a hell of a season right now, and he's a tough running back. But, man, their run defense still looks way better than Eastern's, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they've already given up 892 rushing yards 4.2 yards a carry six rushing touch oh man I, I think you're gonna want to talk about on this one yeah maybe finally win something i don't can't get a damn game of the week right that's for sure <laughs> yeah don't, i'm gonna have you the, pick that game first <laughs> no I'm, I'm still gonna go last gosh darn it <laughs> but yeah i mean that's a solid taco bet thank you steve for the question matthew frazy is going to have to take a stand on this on Twitter during the week, just because he's not here does not mean he gets to punk out of the taco bet. Yeah. So Matt Frazee, when you edit this or when you post it, 
We want to know what you think. And I already won my Illinois State taco bet. I lost that one. Yeah. So they, did Matt. won again. So yep. there we go. I so said they'd have taco, more than two wins. Taco for Kyler. And with that, we move on to the quick hit. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. All right. Right up your alley to start the quick hits, uh, even though he thinks or has at least thought Weber State was overrated. Bruce, do you still think Weber State's overrated? Let us know in the comments uh, on the video or on uh, Facebook. I uh, would like to know. Kyler, is the Big Sky the number one conference this year? I think it is. Um, I just mentioned I, when I'm looking at the Valley, again, when you're the third best team in your conference is 0-2 versus FCS teams. The fourth best team in your conference is struggling versus the 10th ranked team in the Big Sky. You got to assume the Big Sky is the number one conference right now this year, and they've been building that way since 2018. Every year they're getting stronger and stronger. They look a lot stronger. And, uh, you know, the CA actually looks pretty decent, um, but I don't see the title contenders. I, I see a lot of Idaho caliber teams, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse, but in that same range um, from the CA. But, um, yeah, probably the Missouri Valley still has two top-tier teams two middle-tier teams, where the Big Sky has four top-tier teams, probably two middle-tier teams. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got to go with as of today, as of right now, this season. The Big Sky, I think, has already solidified. And if people are arguing, I, I think you are just got to take your bias out of it. Because I have been – I've been on the horn saying the Big Sky has not been the strongest for the last every single year. And a lot of Big Sky fans said I'm, I'm high in on drugs. This year, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, not much to add. I, I think it is, too. I mean, it's not just the top-heavy Big Sky that it used to be. I mean, teams like Idaho coming up. I mean, UC Davis looks bad, and they're still good. Eastern still Washington looks bad, and they're still good. So, we'll see. yeah. You know, yeah, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're, decent. they're competitive. I'll say overall. decent. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's go with decent. <laughs> All right, next one from Andrew Markham. Andrew, you sent us a lot of questions, and we certainly appreciate it. This next one is how overrated is Jackson State with their struggles against Alabama State? They're winning, but not always a convincing fashion. For me, I, I don't think it's overrated. They're going to get every single team's best shot every single week. And it's hard to be that spot on. And they still have. And yeah, they had a close game, but guess what they did? They won. Yeah, They're going to continue to win. I, I don't think they're overrated at all. I, I think they're right where they need to be in between seven and 14 in most people's ballots. And I think that's fair. Any pushback? No, I mean, also, also it's, you know, they're winning, but not always in convincing, fa convincing fashion. Grambling state. They won by 40 Mississippi Valley state. They won by 40 FMU. They won by 56, you know, Tennessee state was a tough game, but they still didn't ever look like they were going to lose. They still won by two possessions. Here they still won by two possessions. And like you just said, everyone's going to give them the best. No one wants to lose to Jackson State in the SWAC, but their closest game is still a two-possession win. They pass the eye test. They have more talent than any other FCS team, and you can just see it. So, no, I don't think they're underrated because I still think they're going to go 12-0 or 13-0 on the season because they're going to you know, win SWAC, win the SWAC championship, then they're going to win the Celebration Bowl. 
Uh, next one depends on that Campbell game. If they lose to Campbell, overrated. Yeah. So we'll yeah, have to wait we till is that next week? Uh, it's coming up. I have to check the schedule. So yeah, it, it's potentially next week. If they lose Campbell, then yeah, I think everyone can tout that. Until then, winning is winning. Yep. Uh, Adam Peterson, uh, faithful Illinois State fans, that at this point in the season, who are the contenders and who are the pretenders, and how about them Redbirds? Well, I lost the Taco Bet. Kyler won the Taco Bet. Kyler, do you see any pretenders in the top ten? In the top 10? Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, my top 10, let's see, just I had those four teams where we talked about. Um, then I still had Delaware at number 10. I have Incarnate Word. Um, so there's six, seven, eight. And then I have Jackson State. I actually think at like 11. Um, I think I bumped up Mercer's in my top 10. I don't see really any pretenders. Um, I really don't. The... Then how about them Redbirds? Yeah. Yeah. Let me. I'll throw three teams that look okay. You tell me, contender, pretender. Okay. Elon. Their resume is not a pretender, but again, with the CA, I don't know because I don't have the eye test. I just follow on the app. My mind still wants to say pretender for Elon, just because it's Elon, and that may be not fair. Uh, that, <laughs> but I mean, they're winning. Yeah. Uh, so, Southern Illinois. I think they are a quality second round to quarterfinal round team, but nothing else. Um, but I think they're a playoff caliber team. So a, not a contender for a title, contender for the playoffs. Okay. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to just do something that's going to warm our diagon hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Frazee. What is this? Are you camping in a tent? You know me. I would never in a million years go camping. That is for, I am not paying to be outdoors. Humans invented AC and heat for a reason. Yeah, you and your Tesla, you jerk. Yeah. Oh, yes. One man All right, saving the Matt, planet. thanks for joining us. We're in the quick hits, but I'm going back to the taco bet. Taco bet. We called you out because you weren't here and said you still had to answer. So since you've joined us so graciously, Steve Anderson had a great question for taco bet. Over or under? 150 rushing yards for Isaiah Davis this Saturday. Over. Easily <laughs> over. So quick. <laughs> Kyler took the under and I took the over. So uh, just know if you're betting with me this year, buddy. Uh, yeah. The reason why I took the under, Matt, was specifically because they've been so bad defending the rush the last two weeks. Like, we we did it. We ran through the stats. They're number 60th in the nation which is weird for NDSU. They've given up two back-to-back 150-yard rushers. We think, or at least I said, if they give up another 150-yard, they're sending half the team up to the Fighting Hawks. So they're not going to do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I think NDSU's only shot to actually um, pull off an impressive game is to play their Super Bowl this week. And that is a hot take. That is normally the SDSU take. And I think things are 180 and completely flipped. So I think I'll need a lot of tacos after Saturday. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'll take Isaiah Davis for under over 150 yards. Fair. All right. So back to the quick hit. Here's the next one from our good friend Preston Adams. He says, Holy Cross is the real deal. How high of a seed can you see them getting? And how far do you think they can go in the playoffs? For me, I don't see them as any higher than a seven or eight seed. 
and how far can they go matchup base if they can get hot against like a CAA champion or you know get sent to a Southern Conference team they can make the quarterfinals. Kyler thoughts? Yeah, it's it's going to be fun um, because this is the first time I think the Patriot League in a while has two really good teams, Fordham and Holy Cross. So I actually have Fordham ranked. So I would consider that a ranked win if they can get by on the Halloween weekend. Uh, but yeah, if Holy Cross goes undefeated while, like they should with that FBS win, uh, with the win over Yale, Harvard, they're probably getting a seed. Um, probably depends on the other teams from the Big Sky Missouri Valley. If they start eating themselves alive a little bit, maybe they can get higher than a seven. But probably that six to eight range is where you're going to be. So it just depends on the matchup and where you have to travel. Um, yeah. I think the precedent is probably 2018 Colgate. They dominated everybody and only got the eight. But they so. didn't have an FBS win, did they? No, they didn't. So that's why I say maybe seven for yeah. Holy Cross. All right, Matt, since you're here, this next one's about NDSU. Buford Hornweasel wants to know, is NDSU leaking oil? Leaking the Tesla oil. is not. No, the Tesla is oil-free, which is great. Um, yeah, NDSU, you know, we don't need much more evidence, I don't think. And it's come to a point where you can't just rely on old arguments or old stances. NDSU is not good against the run. Their front seven is very plain, extremely poor. Their discipline and ability to play the Bison way um, to just kind of not make those silly mistakes does not exist. It's very undisciplined and uncharacteristic. Um, honestly, when I think about NDSU of old, let me just describe them. You could suffocate teams to stop the run. You maybe offensively weren't you know, didn't always look the sexiest, but you put up your 24, 28 points. Um, your coaching staff had you mistake free. And for the most part, you found your identity and you played that way. And what I just described to you was South Dakota State this year. Uh, that's not North Dakota State. So NDSU has discipline problems. They have major tackling issues, youth in trouble amongst the front seven, a passing game that is non-existent, a quarterback that can't bring them over the helm like a Carson Wentz or a Trey Lance, and um, a, a just appears overall an offensive line that's going to lean heavy on the run, and that's going to be about it. Um, and a surprising secondary that is senior-ridden but has not really performed that well. So all around, yeah, um, if people want to adjust NDSU in their polls this week before this big matchup on Saturday, if NDSU wins, hey, I'll eat crow and I'll be the happiest guy in the world to do it. But um, if people want to already start tweaking them and doubting them before Saturday, everything is justified on paper and by the eye test. There's really not a lot of arguments for it. So, Are you happy uh, the Missouri Valley stinks this year? I mean, it's definitely going to help the case. But uh, <laughs> um, I could go on a little longer, but I definitely wanted to try to hop on. I was hoping I'd get something with NDSU in here because I think it'd be unfair for me to have at least missed part of this podcast prior to such a huge matchup. So, That's right. Hey, you, you jumped in at the right time. Another quick Valley question. Uh, Brian Munoz says, I'm here for your thoughts on the Selenoli matchup against Missouri State. The Sock Lukey strike again. And and then Andrew Markham said, does SIU still have a chance of gaining a seed? As far as gaining a seed, uh, absolutely not. Uh, that ship has sailed. It's sunk and it crashed and it's at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, as far as matchup with Missouri State, Southern Illinois is on the way up. Missouri State's on the way down. 
Uh, anybody got any thoughts to the, other than that? Yeah, no, you, you lost your chance on a seed when you lost your two FCS out of conference games from not the Missouri Valley. Um, that, that made it really difficult to get a seed. And this podcast was right. Missouri State's weaknesses have all been exposed outside of a quarterback. Not a good team. Yep. Uh, next one, Jason Plotkin again with his attack on Dustin Helton. Uh, the last two weeks, Dustin <laughs> Helton has seen his Lumberjacks play games literally decided in the last moment. Will he get any reprieve when Tarleton faces SFA? If you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing my Lumberjacks shirt and hat. Why? Because SFA pulled off one of the, the craziest, most fun wins I've seen in a long time last night. Returning a, a short field goal miss that dropped short. Getting a horse collar penalty. Lining up for a 51-yard field goal. Nailing it through on the untimed down. SFA gets the shirt today because, by God, they needed it after that stuff at the, at the Battle of Piney Woods. Um, so that was fun for me. But uh, Kyler, Matt, will, uh, will they get any pre? Is SFA going to play another close game against Tarleton, or is it going to be a blowout and Tarleton's going to win by 40? I mean, or SFA. I think it's going to be a close game. Tarleton looked pretty good last night. Um, so we'll have to see. But I, I don't think Tarleton wants to lose to Stephen F. Austin. Hope this becomes a rivalry game. Um, kind of both Dallas alumni fan bases. So hopefully that can get a little bit um, naughty, a little physical. But yeah, it's probably going to be a close game. Uh, SFA by 90, semifinal team. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag old takes exposed. <laughs> this is the best. That thing is they got such a cool one of logo. the coolest things I've ever seen. I wish I had to get that tattooed on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you make a dumb bet, you get a dumb tattoo. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Scott Flanagan wants to know, how dangerous will Montana State be when they get their running backs and Malott healthy? Well, Malott being healthy doesn't matter because Sean Chambers has taken that job, put it in his pocket, and he's going to run with it. But when the running backs get back, if I'd say Infancy gets back, how dangerous is Montana State more than what they are, Tyler? I don't know. I don't know if it makes a difference besides maybe it just gives uh, Chambers a little bit of time to rest. I actually, this is a, a weird take, and I know the Montana State faithfuls loves the Butte kid, Tommy touchdown a lot, but Chambers is a much better quarterback. Um, he's more dynamic. He's got a better arm. He's just, he, I think he's a better runner. I think you should be hoping that Malat doesn't come back. If he gets the, if he comes back and becomes a starting quarterback, your team probably regresses a little bit because I do think Chambers, a transfer from Wyoming, is the better quarterback, the better option. And then if you get your running backs healthy, it doesn't hurt you, but also could just take away a little bit of what Chambers is doing, which he's absolutely murdering. So it, it won't hurt him if they get Afonso back, who's probably the best running back in the league. But I don't know if it also helps them weirdly, if that makes sense, uh, just because of how dominant Chambers has been. I'd say Brett Vegan's not afraid to adjust at a quarterback. He's shown that before, and he's going to take the best person for the job. So I think right now they're trending the way Jamie's talking about. All right. And the last of our quick hits, our fun one comes from Tim Rask. What toppings do each one of you want on your ultimate taco? Since you're simple and good to go to Taco Bell, Matt, let's go over start with you. Yeah, I am about as bland as it comes, but uh, I'm definitely an upper Midwestern uh, 
loser who puts ranch on their taco. I know uh, down south, that's like a cardinal sin. And Jamie, I can see your reaction. Yeah, tomato, lettuce, cheese, a little bit of ranch. Um, not too much salsa because it's spicy, you know. I don't want to get sweat on the forehead. So I'm okay with maybe mild. But nothing crazy here for a uh, small town North Dakotan for tacos. Kyler, bail us out. Uh, I think I'm going to disappoint you a little bit because uh, I grew up in Washington State. We also put ranch on our tacos. But to, yeah. here's the deal. Here's the deal. But what I also do is I make this taco spicier than balls. So I have to have a, a little bit of ranch to kind of calm it down because I actually put Carolina Reaper peppers in my taco. So mm. it, it is a dehydrated Carolina Reapers. that I have seasoning, grind it all down, use garlic. It is phenomenal, but it it ruins your week. So I do that, and then I do put cheese, lettuce, meat, sometimes bacon because it doesn't go wrong with bacon, and then I put a little bit of ranch on it to tame it down a little bit, give it a little bit of um, zest, but it's still spicy. I mean, I'll, I'll try my tacos. You're not going to be um, calling me a, a vige. Uh. <laughs> well, Kyler, your man card was about to get thrown in the pile with mine and, and disposed, but it's back in your pocket. You're good. Yeah, yeah. You bailed yourself out and uh, bring some of that to uh, Frisco because that sounds delicious. Oh, me, I'll bring I'll bring the the Carolina Reaper pepper. It is oh, spicy. Awesome. Yeah, for me, I mean, a little bit of onion, a little bit of cheese, a lot of jalapeno, sometimes some salsa. If you got some habanero, doesn't matter to me. I uh, like them spicy. Uh, give me chicken taco, steak taco, beef. Hey, tacos are tacos. Maybe not to the level of Brian Thompson, but I love tacos and I like them spicy. Uh, got a stomach like a steel trap. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So, but one thing I've never put on a taco was ranch dressing. <laughs> what the what the hell is Welcome wrong? Welcome to the doing? North, baby. Good gosh. People <laughs> listening, if you put ranch on your tacos, please let me know because I've never heard of some insanity like that. Uh, to be fair, I thought Mexican food tasted horrible when I lived up in Washington because I thought Mazatlan, that's a little chain restaurant, was the most authentic Mexican. Then I moved to Arizona, completely changed my mind. Mexican food is the best. Then I moved to Texas. Screw your Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, Tex disgusting. It is not good. You suck. Go to Arizona where you can get real authentic uh, Mexican food. But yeah, sorry, I had to diss Texas a little bit on that. That's okay. But God bless Texas with his own hand. And here we go. We are at the end, which means we've got one last thing to do, and that's to see who I'm going to put the kiss of death on with our game of the week. This is the matchup you should be paying attention to. This is the FCS Fans Nation Game of the Week. And where else could we go for our game of the week? We've got to go with the big matchup. It's number two versus number one. There are a lot of good matchups this weekend. But none of them are number two versus number one, except for this one, South Dakota State at North Dakota State. We're going to let Matt go last, and I know he's probably going to try to reverse jinx himself. But since, <laughs> but since I'm terrible at this and I feel bad, I will go first. Um, I do want to see what the standings are. I'm like one in something, maybe if I'm lucky. But I know North Dakota State played a close game last week. I know South Dakota State blew out. South Dakota. But when you look at what North Dakota State did, if they hold on to the ball, that game's not even close. They ran for over 300 yards. And you really think they're going to let the marker stay in South Dakota for a third straight time? 
No way. They might give up a ton of running yards, but at the end they're going to bend and not break. North Dakota State steps up. They win 30-27. to 27. Something in the last minute happens one way or the other, but I'm taking the Bison. Kyler, I know you're going to go the other way now that I picked them. I mean, <laughs> make it official. You make it really tough to want to pick what you pick because of how bad you've been. This is the battle of two elite running backs, two mediocre quarterbacks who we all thought were going to be really good. And South Dakota State has definitely more offensive talent than North Dakota State right now. They, they just do. But it's in Fargo. I think this is going to be more of a, oh my gosh, we have played so bad the last few weeks. I think I got to go with North Dakota State, even though I think it's a dumb pick for me because South Dakota State just looks much better than North Dakota State, but it's in Fargo. I got to go with um, Hunter Lupke being very pissed that he fumbled last week, and he's uh, he's going to become a man again. So, yeah, give me North Dakota State by three. So, Kyler just... Yeah, I lost. I lost. I Thanks a lot. Thanks a so, lot. So, you know, is he going to redeem me, or is he just going to lose again? So, Matt, the eternal optimist. Eternally. Optimistic. Let's hear it. Well, as you know, I've only had two really amazing predictions ever in this podcast. One was Sam Houston in the spring. The second one was last year before the Dakota marker, which I said, South Dakota State's going to put the whoop in NDSU, but NDSU will go further in the playoffs, whether that's semifinals or winning the championship. So I gave them the marker, but I knew that NDSU would be in a better position to win in the playoffs. So that was a good prediction. Good prediction. I don't see a sin- I, I have a few reasons why the Bison would win. They're at home in the Dome. They elevate their play beyond belief from what they've done all season because they're facing their rival and they don't want to lose the Marker Trophy three years in a row. And... SDSU just can't rise to the moment like the program hasn't done in some of the biggest games when it's actually mattered. And I think those reasons are hope and heart. I don't think they align with the fact that the better quarterback is for the Rabbits, that the offense has been way more effective for the Bunnies, that the front seven of SDSU is ungodly good and just exactly what reminds me of NDSU of old. I can't stop thinking that SDSU continues to tweak and get a little bit better from the mistakes they've made, and NDSU just keeps tripping up with undisciplined play. No passing game to passing game. I hope I'm wrong. I think SDSU wins 27-13 to 13 over North Dakota State. Takes the marker three straight years. And I hope Bison fans rip me apart if I'm wrong. But I don't see any sort of logic to pick NDSU besides they're in the Dome, where SDSU has played a lot of times. So I will take a blowout. It won't feel very, very close. South Dakota State wins the marker. Okay, Matt trying for a little reverse psychology in his witness protection-like screen this (laughs) afternoon. Um, But, Matt, thank you for taking a few minutes to jump in and finish this off with us it's much better when it's the the trio here so you made us better buddy thank well, you for I, coming in 
Love you guys too much to avoid, especially in such a big week. I had a very busy military drill. Allison and I had a very busy evening with the boys and the kiddos and everything else in life. So I kind of felt I couldn't make it, but I I looked at Allison and I said, you know, I think if I just grab the phone, they might be right at the end. And hey, it timed really well. So um, if you made it all the way through the podcast, like many of you do, hopefully you enjoyed the dark take of Matt Frazee. So, Kyler, any closing remarks? No, um, all I got to say is, Matt, your phone, whatever you're on, sounds way better than your laptop. So maybe you should just stop <laughs> doing that. That's because the phone is one year old and the Mac is <laughs> is double the age of my oldest child. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I got nothing. It's been a fun season so far. Hopefully we get some chaos this week because that's all I'm here for. All right. Yeah, we're ready for it. Big weekend. Let's start a crazy October. By the time we get to the end of October everything will be a lot more clear as of right now we thank you for joining us if you're watching on youtube wherever you listen subscribe like comment we want to hear from you ask questions next week we'll answer them for that for now matt thank you for coming kyler this is my first time hosting this big boy show hopefully it plays well we'll see you next week boom thank you for listening to the fcs fans nation podcast Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. <laughs> My worst right now. You're doing no. amazing.